it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey, it's Brandi Taylor, the business coach for beauty professionals. I help beauty pros amplify their business and take more action. I am super excited to share the Beauty Pro Mastermind with you, a group for serious beauty pros who want to find ways to continue to thrive in their business, a safe place for support, accountability, and education. This group is for beauty professionals who are ready for change in their business, understanding that commitment is required to achieve your goals. You know you need to make a move, but you're unclear and need an extra push. My mission is to empower beauty professionals and equip them to achieve their goals, bringing beauty and business together through support, education, and business resources. Register today for the Beauty Pro Mastermind at IamBrandyTaylor.com and just click on Beauty Pro Mastermind. I will also include the details in the show notes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had an awesome interview with Lulu Pierre of Boho Locks. Lulu has an awesome brand story and she's very down to earth and I just really enjoyed learning more about her journey to creating this awesome brand Boho Locks. I think she has a phenomenal story and I love the way she shared about how her parents were so supportive of her. In fact, she talked about how her father encouraged her to look with inside her and instead of helping her this one particular time, he wanted her to look with inside herself and to find what she needed. And she did just that. And within a couple months, she created Boho Locks. I think her story is so inspirational to me because it just kind of reminds you of like that everyday girl who just wants to do something great, who's just trying to make it. It comes up with an idea that's a solution to a problem for herself and then in turn is able to help other people. Here's a little bit of Lulu's bio. Lulu Pierre, founder and CEO of Boho Locks, is a natural hair care aficionado. After recognizing a need for a protective hairstyle that was as stylish as it was comfortable, Lulu began creating her own handmade crochet locks that were lightweight, authentic, and natural looking. As a former salon owner and best-selling author of Natural Hair Care for Girls, Lulu brings her expert knowledge of professional styling, techniques, and hair design to the Boho Locks brand. She continues to push the brand creativity, championing Black excellence with the commitment to creativity and brand presentation. Boho Locks is a brand designed for everyone, no matter what stage they may find themselves in their protective styling journey. That is always sexy, cool, and stylish. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Lulu Pierre. Welcome, Lulu. Hey, Brandy. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on the show today, Lulu. So before we get into all the phenomenal things that you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Woo! Okay, let's see. Something that most people would not know. Okay. Um, A lot of people would not know that I'm actually also an author and I wrote a book prior to starting Boholops that became a bestseller in the UK and USA. And it's about 
um, natural hair care for children, for girls. Um, that is something not a lot of people know because it's not even on our Boho Locks website or anything like that. So it's that's uh, hidden knowledge. Awesome, awesome. So I would like to know more about that. Like, what, what was yep. your inspiration behind creating your yep. book for uh, natural yep. hair? Yeah. Well, basically all of my career has been in hair. So from my very first business to obviously my current business, it's always been about hair. And um, I had a daughter in 2012 who was born and she was born with hair that was like about maybe two inches long. Like I had to start canering this hair three months out. So I wasn't really completely prepared for, for this. And so I learned a lot. I did a lot of reading around about how to care for children's hair and how to make natural moisturizers, how to cleanse it without maybe using shampoo, um, what oils to use, et cetera, how to manage the scalp, make sure it doesn't get too dry, et cetera, et cetera. And from there, I just got really passionate about natural hair care. It reinvigorated my own hair care um, journey. I was very passionate about looking after her hair. And hence, I just I just put everything down into this book, everything that I had been learning and doing. And it was just a real passion. It just really just flowed out of my heart. I never like sat down and thought, I want to be an author. I want to write a book. But just caring for her hair and that journey, um, I wanted to share it with other mums who maybe were struggling. Because at first, I was just like, uh, I'm not sure what to do here. But after I got a grip and I understood, then I wanted to share that on. I don't think that people realize how difficult our hair is mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to manage and everything. And mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that. And even um, most, of, most of us never e- even really learned how to properly take care of it. So I think mm-hmm. that it's phenomenal that you created a book and a resource mm-hmm. for parents to learn mm-hmm. how to take care of their daughter's hair. I think that's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing it. So, so tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. I know you was a salon owner, yeah. author of a natural hair book. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of tell us, take us along your journey um, okay. up to where you are now. Sure, sure, sure. So I actually got involved in hair when I was like about 20. I think I was 20. And I actually was really involved with like lace wigs. So um, lace wigs and um, micro link extensions, which aren't as popular with Afro hair, but are very popular with European hair. Um, And they're just like little bonds. You use little mini rings and you attach the individual strands into the hair. and I got involved with lace wigs when I was 22 because I was just fascinated. I had the revelation one day that Beyonce wears wigs and I was like, what, wait, how, where, what? I don't understand what's going on. And then I did more discovery. I discovered what lace wigs were and um, I started wearing them for myself. So my very first hair business was um, a lace wig install business um, and the uh, microlink extensions as well. From there, um, my parents like converted the back conservatory into like a little hair studio. So I would have customers coming in from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever. And then it kind of started to go to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So then it was like Monday, Tuesday. So it, the demand just grew and grew and grew. So I left my employment when I was around about 22 to focus on my hair business full time. I did dabble at that point with some e-commerce on the Lulu Pierre. It was called Lulu Pierre, that first biz- brand that I had. Um, but generally that was like more of a service-based business. We occasionally sold product online, but it was more service-based. Um, 
that led to the salon. So the steps of the salon was I first rented space in a central London shop. I just rented my own chair and then I rented a chair for an assistant. And then we were there, got really, really busy there. And then it was just like, well, the next step is to get your own salon. So I found a spot in central London. It was a really cute two-story salon. One story we had retail, the other story we did all the services. And um, I ran that probably for like maybe about a year, year and a half, something like that. At, during that time, I had my daughter and I found it really difficult, I'll be honest, to manage having a newborn having a salon, having staff. I was still really early in, in my 20s and it was just, it was a little bit much, I'm not gonna lie. It was quite hard to keep on top of that. So I um, I let the salon go and then I just enjoyed being a mum for a period of time, a couple of years. And then I wrote the book, as I mentioned to you. And then um, Boholox was born about a year after the book was released. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So... You went from, you had a salon and you yep. specialized in extensions and wigs. Yep. And so you had the e-commerce mm-hmm. um, and, and then after letting the salon go and everything, how did you decide to transition into boho likes? Like where did that mm-hmm. idea come from? Because you would think you would maybe start maybe like a hair extension line or yeah. just focus on selling the wigs and extensions, it's but true. you went a different route. I completely did. And basically what it was, was, I was really inspired after looking after my daughter's hair and I went natural myself, which is something I hadn't done. I hadn't really worn my natural hair, as you know, I was drawn to extensions, drawn to lace wigs, etc. But through caring for her hair, I learned more and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to wear my natural hair. And I did. I started to do twist outs, braid outs, and it was great. Um, I had an interest in another salon at the time and they were doing like Brazilian blow dry treatments, um, which are treatments which make your hair a little bit more versatile. So you put it in, you still can get curls, but you can blow dry and get straight a lot easier. Or so I thought at the time, because I still was on my hair journey, still learning at the time. And so I did a Brazilian blow dry. The first one was fantastic. It was phenomenal. It was just like I wet my hair. It was going into spirals. It was just, I didn't really have to do the twist out thing to get the twist out look. It was great. I loved it. And I was like, oh, I've got a little bit of regrowth. Let me do it again. I did it again. But this time my hair, I, I, Brandy, it's like it died. I don't know. It lost all the volume. It lost all its life. And I think it's because we repeated the initial Brazilian blow dry over hair that already been done as opposed to just doing the roots. Mm -hmm. So I got myself into a little bit of a sticky situation with my hair and I was like, I don't know what to do. At that time, I didn't want to go back to lace wigs. I wanted something that felt a little bit more authentic. And um, my mom has dreadlocks. My sisters both have locks as well. And so locks felt natural. However, I didn't necessarily feel ready to commit, but I felt like I really wanted to try that style. So taking inspiration from my mum, I then did the individual faux lock extensions on myself. The first time I did it, it took me three whole days. And wow. I'm not exaggerating, it took me through. And I was I nearly gave up. In the middle of it, it was like fight or flight. It's like, do I continue or do I just try and take this out and just <laughs> do something else kind of thing? Um And that's really how I got into locks. And as a result of that, I started to wear these locks out. I got a lot of um, attention for them. Um, And I was like, oh, I'm sure I could do this on other people Um, because I didn't have any income. I didn't have a, a job or anything at that point. So I was like, I could do hair. I've done hair before. I love these locks. They look great. Um, I did a course by Dr. Kari on her goddess lock method. And then I started to see customers. So at home, I opened my home and people were coming in and I was um, doing the lock extensions on them. Um, it is very time consuming. As you know, if you've had them before, it took six to eight hours per head, which is quite some time. 
Um, but I did have a, like a very unique and distinctive style and way of doing them, which enabled me to get booked up like three months, four months in advance. So what I wanted to do was create a derivative of that in a lot of ways, something that still had a unique look, unique feel, um, but could be shipped out all over the world so other women could experience it. And that was the genesis of the idea for Boho Locks. It was just, this is a great feeling. This is a great product. How can I maximize the amount of women who can experience this? Interesting. Mm. So are you still servicing? I, no, I don't service anymore. I did it for um, about maybe a year coming up to a year nine months to a year and then I transitioned into boho locks and that became something I had to do full-time focus from day one pretty much wow so what was the process like so it sounds like you know hair it's always been like something that you mm. were naturally gifted at and mm-hmm. so you just trying to try out a new style Mm-hmm. figured out a great way to do this style, you attracted this huge clientele that you did mm-hmm. for a year. And then at what point did you say, okay, now I want to come up with an easier solution. And what was that like yeah. trying to create the faux locks and yeah. yeah, all of those things? Yeah, sure. I think that it kind of got to a point where I was maxed out in my availability, my diary. I couldn't take on any more customers and I was having to turn people away. At that point, I knew that I was onto something. People liked the visual aesthetic of what I was doing, but I couldn't service everybody who wanted it. So that's when my mind switched into how can I create a product that mimics what I'm doing at home and I can send out to people. And um, so, I, I, you know, the first thing I did was just like foot market research. I just went to the local hair beauty supply store and I just wanted to see what's there. Um, and I looked at a lot of these brands and they didn't have anything that I felt was authentic. They didn't have anything that I felt looked like natural. Obviously my mom has looks, so there's a high barrier for me on what I like visually to look at. And, um, I didn't see anything at all. So from there, that sort of spurred me on to start the development process. And I'll be honest, when I first entertain the idea I thought you know what I'm just going to order some products from China I'm going to put a logo on it and I'm going to send it out that's what I'm going to do but I received lots of samples and nothing had the look that I wanted so I started to, to just in my kitchen just experiment with different ways of manipulating the hair different waves different curls different twists different things until I got something that I was like yeah this is great and so then the first iteration of the business was we would hand customize all of the product at home. And I roped in my mom, I roped in my dad, we were boiling hair, we were hanging out to dry, we were twisting it and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And yeah, which was which was fun. And then my dad was sort of like, oh, this is taking up a lot of my time kind of thing. And it got to a point where it almost became like he was there every day doing it. And he was like, look, you know, you're at critical mass now, it's time to get a manufacturer to do this, you're onto something, um, you know. And that's where I kind of stepped out and developed the brand more as it is today. So it sounds like, you know, your family was very supportive down to your <laughs> mom and dad getting in the kitchen with you. Yeah, yeah. Creating these lots. Mm-hmm. And so um, to what point did you go from the kitchen to mm-hmm. a manufacturer? So basically, yeah, when it got to like what seemed like a critical mass, because essentially how it started was they would come for a weekend. So they would maybe come on Friday, Saturday, help me do what I had to do, ship out the orders. And it was great. And then it became like, 
Wednesday to Saturday. Then it became Monday to Saturday. Then it became like the previous week and then the next week. And I think when it got to my dad was like spending more than sort of like two, three weeks a month at my house, helping me customize and boil these locks that we kind of knew that I had to make that, I had to make that shift. Um, So I think what I did at that point was I went to visit the manufacturers, the people who were sending me the raw product that I was customizing I showed them how to customize the product and then they would send it directly after we got something that looked exactly the same as what I was doing at home um, and then we started to ship it out to customers that way now how did you go about funding is it self-funded or did you know yeah. did you seek any funding and things like that no Bohelox has been completely self-funded in fact when I first started the business I was actually contemplating filing for bankruptcy I don't know if yeah. So it was, it was, it was, a t- I was in a bit of a bind. I had a number one best-selling book. However, the book wasn't generating a lot of revenue. Um, so I was in a real pickle actually. And so I knew that I wanted to, to start a business and I kind of, I, I remember speaking to my dad about it, but I didn't speak to him about the business. I spoke to him about a financial problem that I had in that I couldn't um, afford to um, put heating in my car. So my, my, my heating had broken in my car. I was driving my daughter to nursery and we we're both freezing. I live in London. It gets really cold. And I remember I was putting like hot water bottles in the car before she got in and I was blankets and everything because I just didn't have any money to sort of fix it. And I remember speaking to him and my dad's very entrepreneurial. And he kind of said to me, look, you know, you know, I'm not going to help you out this time. I'm not going to help you. And I was like, oh, please. He's like, no, I'm not going to help you because I feel like in your mind, you've got, there's a solution. Whatever your problem is, I know you can figure it out. You've got it up here. Just think about it, figure it out and you will, you'll be successful. And I was just like, okay. I knew that I had to just put my mind to work and think of something. And that's when I started Boholox in that sort of like two to three months after that period of time, I saw an opportunity very clearly. And that's when I kind of went for it. Um, and then yeah lots of support lots of then you know support getting behind my idea belief in what I was doing helping me out making the locks etc mailing them out with me so yeah I do have a very supportive family and um my dad used to buy me a lot of books about entrepreneurship when I was in my formative year so when I was like 16 onwards I read quite a few different books about money entrepreneurship um one of the key people he used to talk to me about was madam cj walker as well and the first book he bought me was um it's by an african-american author i can't remember the name but it's called black millionaires and it's about the first six or ten african-american millionaires post-slavery so he's always kind of tried to get that mindset in my head that it's possible i can do it and yeah so it's it's been support but maybe not in the traditional sense but I have felt very supported. Awesome. Kudos to your father. I love that he decided not to help you and just told you, like, it's in you. It's yeah, in yeah, you. Yeah. You have mm. that idea that's going to, mm. you know, take you to the next level, get you where you need to go. It's in you. Yeah, for sure. And he believed in you and he knew it. And I'm pretty sure where he was helping you boil hair, he was like, yes, it was definitely in her. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. So this is, this is a phenomenal story. And it's interesting how, like, how do you go from, okay, you're, you're boiling here in your kitchen. You got your parents helping. You've outgrown that. Now mm. you're getting manufacturers. How did you turn your small business into a global corporation? Yeah, I think you have to, I mean, there's so many different things, isn't there? But I think for me, I just focused on a few metrics and I just kept those in my gaze 
as I continued to do what I did. So one of the main important things was my, was my relationship with my customers. So what I did, because I didn't have any funds, I would pre-sell the products. I would order some samples, um, model them myself because I couldn't afford to get models or anything, create um, videos, put them on social, and then um, do a pre-sell. Say, look, this, this is the product. You can pre-order it and it's going to ship out to you in three to four weeks, et cetera. And that's what I did to start the business because I needed to get the money in to order then the product, to then customize it, to then send it to the customer. And so that was how we went for some time. But every time I did a pre-sale, it just got bigger than the last. So we were having to spend more and more time. And what I did was I just didn't, I just retained all of the money into the business. I didn't, I was still broke <laughs> but I just retained everything into the business so I was able to then have enough money to then buy stock in advance when that time came I had the funds there to do that and to yeah I think that's right so you pre-ordered the product mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you had you had your clients pre-ordered three you let yeah. them know three to four weeks out so that you can get the supplies yeah and, and then the funds that you received from the business, you put right back into the business. Oh, 100%. And that's yeah. very, very smart. So mm-hmm. how did you go about branding it, really mm-hmm. getting it and expanding it? Because you have a huge following now. I know you got the YouTube channel, the Instagram. So tell mm-hmm. us about all of that. So I think the first thing um, we d- I did was I just wanted just to get out on social and how the hair genuinely made me feel. Um, the thing is with myself, I'm not socially native. So prior to having a Boho Locks Instagram, I didn't have a personal Instagram. I just about had a Facebook. I think I posted on there once every five years or something like that. So social wasn't something that came very naturally. But when I had the locks in, they just made me feel so good that I just started like filming all these little selfies and videos and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, edited them, put them together on social. And they kind of picked up a lot of traction in the early days. And so every time we did a launch, we did a video. And I think that's something I still do today. I love creating um, content. Um, so every time we did a launch, we did a video and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we branched out into other channels. And then it was about tutorials where people want to know how to put the product in, how to maintain the product. Okay, great. Um, and then it was like blog posts and we could put those on Pinterest. And so as the business grew and we got more involved in blogging and creating more content, it just naturally went onto other channels as well. Um, but Instagram being our favorite channel because we love the instant sort of feedback you get from there when you put out your content. Boho likes your brand. Actually, the hashtag is really, really popular. Mm-hmm. And I would say, so first, I remember Folocks got really, really popular back in like 2015, 2016. Yeah. Folocks was the thing. And so like mm-hmm. it, you had, it was like, it was a process. You had to get a certain type of air. Yeah. It was yeah. hard to come by in order to mm-hmm. wrap. You know, because you took mm-hmm. the, the eight hours yeah, to go, three days, right? Three days doing it. <laughs> but you had to get that one hair to wrap it in. It was kind of mm-hmm. rough and all of that. And then they started making, I never did really like the crochet ones because the crochet ones didn't really mm-hmm. ever look natural. Yeah, yeah. The wrap process looked more natural, but it was a long process. Yeah. So um, did you did you create the initial name for it? Was it your business that originally created or was it something that was already around? Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. 
And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. No, it was actually something that was already around. That was just an amazing opportunity. So when I used to do the crochet locks, oh no, sorry, the faux locks, boho locks was just a term used for an abbreviation for like bohemian locks locks that looked a little bit messy um that kind of thing and I was just like well I do boho locks I do goddess locks Dr. Kari's method I do xyz locks so I did like I had three different styles that I did um when I was doing the hair on people and then I was like oh boho locks is just such a good name it's such a great name if I was going to do an e-commerce I'd love to have that name but I bet that URL's gone. I bet that, you know, Instagram is gone, that that would never be still available. And then I checked it and I was like, Boho Locks was like, available. I was like, purchase. I just bought it straight away. And then I did the, um, the they had the Instagram available and then I got the copyrights in the UK and the USA. And um, it was just an amazing opportunity. It just literally, I yeah, it was amazing and incredible. Awesome. I'm so surprised it wasn't, but I'm glad you were able to get it, you know, Me too. <laughs> that was phenomenal business move because I, re- so for a minute, everybody was doing the faux locks, but I guess mm-hmm. people, and maybe you could give me some insight in the industry, what was happening because mm-hmm. it kind of fell mm-hmm. off and mm-hmm. then boho locks mm-hmm. really took off, you know, and people started to like more of the distress look. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because uh, naturally, it looks more distressed when you have dreads and stuff like that. It's not, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's more yeah, messy. For sure. Yeah, for sure. They, yeah, they look different, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's what separates. I feel like separates feel like your separate. brand is that your boho locks look like real locks. They look more yeah. distressed. They look more yeah. messy. They look like it would look if you naturally wore locks. Yes, yes. And yes, so yes. And, and all of a sudden now everybody's into this whole distress lock thing. Mm-hmm. But what what do you think like tr- you know shifted the industry from the traditional faux locks to like yeah. it is now with boho locks? I think that I really feel that hairstyles are just very cyclical in a way. So it's like you'll get something and it will be really, really hot for a period of, a nice period of time and then because we're so creative black women black women stylists we try different things we're like do you know what i'm gonna try i'm not gonna wrap it with that hair i'm gonna try this hair you just go into the hair shop and you just do experiments really i think we're so creative like that and so they just get born and it kind of i think it happens very organically and very naturally so i just think it's as we experiment and we just want to maybe get more texture into the hair because we're very sort of like into the natural look which is which is beautiful. So I think it's about the experimentation that we have, the creativity that we have, but also wanting to connect more in with natural textures uh, has led us to where we are with the distressed lock look, which which I absolutely love as well. Awesome, awesome. And um, I was wondering that because it's all the rave. And so I think you were right on trend because I would say like within the last three years, it's just really been blowing up and mm-hmm. uh, more and more different lock styles are out. And I'm so happy to see the uh, the industry shift, the mm-hmm. shift that the industry has had. I, I'm happy to see Black women, you know, just wearing their hair or, you know, doing protective styles and things of that nature. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about protective styling, too, because mm-hmm. I honestly, myself, I have got to the point where 
that's all I do. <laughs> like I'll take yeah. breaks to wear my hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always like I'll take a break for a couple of weeks. I'm going right back to my protective style. Yeah, so let's yeah. talk about protective styling and all of those things and how you you know how your business is in that category. Some mm-hmm. things that you provide in that category. Yeah, for sure. I mean, protective styling is everything. I mean, when I first started wearing the faux locks, it was a protective style. As I said, my hair was completely damaged from the Brazilian blow dry. So I wanted to regrow it. I wanted to protect it. I knew I was going to have to trim the damage out, but I didn't want to sort of do that without wearing a protective style because it just didn't look good, basically. Um, So the very nature, like the DNA of the brand is about creating styles that don't put too much tension on the hair that allow you to protect your hair as it grows. And we do like create a lot of content around how to get the best out of your hair, how to look after your scalp when you're wearing a product, how to keep your hair moisturized, et cetera, et cetera. Because ultimately I don't believe in styles that aren't protected because I feel like our hair, our crown is the most valuable thing. So we want to make sure that we're looking after it as we protect and style it. And I feel like when we wear protective styles, they should also make us feel just as good as we would feel if we had our natural hair. So things that feel natural, look natural, also lightweight um, is really important as well. But um, yeah, protective styling is, is, is everything. That's basically what we do. We want to create products that people can protect their hair in but also feel really good in so dreadlocks and maybe we'll look to other products as well in the future yeah what do you think separates boho locks from other companies that carry similar products um well there are like a lot of competitors in the marketplace but a lot of them are not black owned so i think that where we differ from say like a bobby boss or like a janet collection or something like that is we're just i feel like we're more authentic as a brand because we are the team my team is ethnically diverse i'm the founder i'm the owner ceo i'm black and so i feel like and i also do the product development and i feel like we know our needs very intimately and I feel like we create products that our customers want we stay very close and in contact with them what do they want from us what do they want to see and I feel that the separator is the product in that it's just very authentic in terms of the other brands that I mentioned and also in terms of our visuals I really like to create powerful visuals that kind of tell a story like an ode almost to black women in our content and stuff like that and I think that sets us apart as well. Yeah, I would agree. I love the way you educate and you share. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just posting pictures of the hair, but you're actually, you know, sharing mm-hmm. different ways to style the hair, how to install the hair in different ways, on yeah. different textures and different colors and all of those things. And I love that about your brand for sure. Thank you. You're welcome. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey so far? Um, I think the number one one of them is when you're building your team how important it is to build your team and how um, important it is to go for people who have like experience who maybe who are more who are senior sorry um who are senior who've had experience in the industry before I think that's a phenomenal thing but also to mix up your team so you've got some people who are really young enthusiastic ready to learn and other seasoned people who understand more maybe about marketing maybe more about customer acquisition etc etc so I think within the team it's good to get experience and um uh, youth and experience I would say is a really good thing to have in a team um secondly I think um something uh, is just about vision and just about self-belief. I think sometimes it's kind of like easy to like doubt yourself and wonder, 
if you can pull this off, if you can do this, if you can manage this, if you've got this. Um, but I think really self-belief and self-development are just like critical keys that like you have to keep learning. You can't stay stagnant with the information that you once had because in the world of marketing and e-commerce, it changes, you know, the algorithms change, everything changes very frequently. So the biggest lessons I would say is just team, you should mix experience and youth, definitely. And in terms of your own self, just stay on top of marketing trends and um, believe in yourself, A, and just stay on top of all of the trends. Don't get left behind, B. Thanks for sharing it. Okay. So what are your plans for Boho Locks? Like, are you planning to expand a brand? Are you going to be adding more styles or different types of hair? What are your plans? Yeah, I, I, think, I think so. I mean, it's all... Uh, product development and, and looking into things at the moment. One thing I know that we're just committed to our customers. So we speak, I get on the phone with my VIPs probably like once a year, we have a call because I want to find out where they're at with the brand, what they like, what they don't, what they want to see, what maybe they haven't liked so much. And so I think customers will always stay at the heart of Bohelok. So I think they will drive our innovation going forwards. So we have some things that we're developing based off of feedback and these conversations that we've had with our customers. And so, yeah, we just want to serve them. That's essentially what we're trying to do. Um, and protective styles, as you know, there's a whole range. There's a world of protective styles out there. It's not just dreadlocks and locks. So, yeah, we're just going to take insight from our customers and develop. We don't have any firm plans about what these other products are just yet. Um, we're still just trying to just talk to our customers and find out what they're really interested in and what they need, what they feel like they need in their lives as well. Yeah, which I think is important because mm -hmm. ultimately it's all about the customers and really mm -hmm. creating a product that they want and will purchase. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that it's awesome that you talk to your VIPs once a year. Do you have mm -hmm. like a, a group or something of mm -hmm. people that you get feedback from? How does that work? So we... Um, so it's, it's, it's so cute because some of our VIPs are people who ordered from us when I was making the locks at home with my parents. And I, I know them because we spoke then and they've spoken to me along the journey. But what we normally do is we just have like an email segment of people who are our VIPs. We have a ways of um, determining who they are. And we'll just reach out and ask them if they want to get on like, a you know, a 20 minute Zoom with me just to give me some feedback. And um, we get them from there, but it's it's often the very same people that we speak to year after year who are still purchasing the product and still supporting the brand. So it's, it's awesome. I love those calls. Awesome, awesome. Mm. You know what I what I also love about your product is that it's reusable. And I was watching yeah. some videos how you train people on how to reuse the hair because a lot mm -hmm. of times we'll even we'll buy this crochet hair. Or, you know, for protective styling and it's inexpensive, but then you're constantly rebuying it, rebuying it, rebuying it because mm -hmm. you have to throw it away. So I love that you have a reusable product as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, some some of our customers, I mean, there was a lady and we've got a Facebook group called the Boho Tribe. And um, one of the ladies there, she's like, oh, I've been reusing them for like a year. She just washes them. She just reuses them, put them right back. Um, some of, we do have quite a few different styles. So the goddess style is the style that's most suited to being reused. Um, but we do have customers who do reuse them multiple times. And then people get really creative with them as well. So they'll create color combinations that we don't have on the site because they'll buy like a blonde and maybe a black or a purple and then they'll mix the three of them together, which are combinations we don't normally sell. So when people have more than one pack, they often get like more creative with the locks as well, which is really cool to see. 
Awesome, awesome. How does Boho Lives amplify and uplift Black voices? Um, well, we recently released a, a content, a piece of content, which was called Sistership. And um, we're basically, it's a poem, and we're talking to Black women about their everything about them, the beauty of them, the beauty of the skin, the beauty of our facial features, the beauty of our bodies. Um, and so we just kind of try and create content that is something that a black woman on and in any part of her life can listen to watch and just feel affirmed through it and feel heard, feel represented. And that's what we try to do. We try to tap into how we see ourselves as black black women as queens and we try to create content like around all of that and really try to uplift um through our content and our poems and everything like that I love that mm. because I think more and more we need to see ourselves that way mm-hmm. um I, I I know firsthand you know growing up in my life I didn't see it, you know, mm. like as beautiful as it is. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to embrace it more as a black yeah. as I get older. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that, you know, you have that initiative that you're doing. Because I think we do need to embrace our skin, our hair, and everything. Yes, everything. And love ourselves, totally. for sure. Yeah, totally. Totally, 100%. Awesome. So it's been phenomenal chatting with you, Lulu, and having you on the podcast. I want to ask you the last few questions that I like to ask the guests on the show. Sure. So mm-hmm. tell us, how do you define success? I define success based around goals and achieving those goals. So when, and but I think success isn't a finite destination. I do actually think it's a journey of moving parts because essentially success to me was um, being able to just, you know, pay my car bills and get heating in my car and, right. <laughs> um, you know, just having you know, income to sort of like sustain my life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I was able to do that, um, that was success to me. I felt like I've achieved, this is success. But then that kind of grew to, okay, well, the next thing is um, having an e-commerce business that could be successful. Maybe it could make over seven figures. Maybe that would look like success kind of thing. And um, then you move towards those goals and you achieve those goals. And then it, it then so I, I feel like success for me personally is about the potential that I have but releasing it in stages um because I think that going step by step is better than just saying look I want to shoot for the moon and maybe not getting there and feeling disheartened you still want to get to the moon but you know that you're going to visit certain other planets so my analogy on the journey to where you're going to get to so i think you definitely have a long term vision and a long term goal for what you want to do and but you can also feel successful in and amongst the steps that you're taking to get to that long term vision as well and talking about long term vision what is your long term goal that you plan to make in the natural hair community i really want to create the number one protective hairstyling brand, uh, black owned, 
I want to create amazing content. I'd love to have a range of products to, that really work and that really are solutions to protective styling needs. I would love to have like an engaged community somehow. I don't know what that looks like. Does that look like technology? Does it look like an app? Does it, I'm not entirely sure what that is. But I think there's like power in stories and power in connecting people as well. So I would love somehow to be able to connect all of our wonderful customers that we've got all over the world to uplift one another um, and to really provide products, as I say, for the customer. But I would really love for Bohelox to be become a household name in the future. Awesome. How do you stay motivated? Um, my daughter, I have a young daughter, she's eight. She really motivates me because she looks up to me so much. Um, she sees me working and she really is engaged and she wants to start her own e-commerce business now. So she was, you know, she's been brainstorming names, ideas, and she's had some really, she wants to sell slime. So she's had these great ideas about, you know, all kids love slime. Well, in the UK, they're obsessed with slime. So she has all of these ideas. So I think I'm motivated for her, but also like for her generation, because I feel like one thing that could be lacking in our community is just the knowledge. Like, what does it take to grow an eight figure business? What does that look like to get funding along the way? I haven't taken funding yet. It might be something I look to do. Um, but how do you scale? How do you grow? How do you build a team? What are the advice? What order sh should you hire people in? Um, you know, all of this is just knowledge. I feel like the money is an aside the, the real value for me is the knowledge like what I'm learning about business and growing a business is what I want to be able to pass on to my daughter and also her generation her peers as it were so that is really my motivation and that's really my long-term goal actually is to obviously Boho looks I want to make it a household name but beyond that I want to also train other entrepreneurs and just share my genuine knowledge for the journey that I'm traveling with them so they they can do the same thing as well Phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. So what's either your favorite book or book you're currently reading right now? Okay. Um, my favorite book, um, I'm a Christian, so my favorite book of all time is the Bible. Um, but in terms of like business and things that maybe have caused a mindset shift, as it were, I read a book my dad gave me when I was 16 called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by an author called Robert Kiyosaki. And I think that was really a mindset shift, that book. It really caused me to see things differently. Um, and it helped, that knowledge that I gained from that book really helped when I made the decision to go into business. I kind of leaned on that knowledge, what I learned in that book, and it kind of really transformed. I think the basis of the book is that he has two father influential figures in his life. One he calls rich dad, one he calls poor dad. And it's just basically the difference between going after assets and going after liabilities. Ultimately, like the bottom line of the book is that. And um, really, really, really helpful book. Really easy to understand. I really, I can't wait for my daughter to read that book. Um, and that really changed my life. I really do feel like that book changed my life. <laughs> Cheesy as it sounds, it really did. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing okay. that. So tell everybody how they can find you online, how they can sure. connect with Boho Locks and buy your awesome products and everything. Thank you so much. So our website is www.boholocks.com and that's spelled B-O-H-O-L-O-C-S. And we're also on Instagram at Boholocks and on YouTube at Boholocks as well. Um, the best place to, to get in touch with us 
I would say is on our website. We have like an opt-in to join our mailing list. That's the best place because on there you'll get um, information about drops, um, new products we've got coming out, early access, secret sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the best place to get connected is to go to boholocks.com and opt-in to our mailing list and we'll stay in touch with you and keep you up to date. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lulu. It's been phenomenal having you. So Lulu, Pierre, everybody check out boholocks.com. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.